0: The Big Red Couch, a podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players
1: draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pictures to you. Hello, listener, and welcome to episode 104 of The Big Red Couch. Here in beautifully snow-drizzled Aylesbury, I'm Craig, and on the other side of the world where warmth exists... (laughs) As been.
0: We had some drizzle earlier, and you know, we thought about closing the doors tonight before the sun went down, so yeah, the season is turning. So truly, the hounds of winter are riding into Auckland. Okay, Let's be fair, Auckland is subtropical. Even when we complain about it being bastard cold, it has actually gotten down to maybe temperate. That is accurate. <laughs> Though, on the other hand, when we talk about muggy, we have folks who have recently arrived from... India and Sri Lanka complaining about the humidity, so... Dude. We have our own crosses to bear. That's quite impressive. Well, we weren't impressed. It was like, blimey, it, it is... I knew it was muggy. <laughs> so, what have we adjourned today? Adjoined? Or is that the other end of the process? We're in top form, clearly.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, this is going to be an absolutely cracking episode. Hmm. Run away
0: now! Hey, compared to the dragging something out of the dusty vaults, I mean... I'm sure the, the audience currently believes that hiatus is
1: not a dirty word. That That is true. To a certain extent, we, we have now laid the groundwork that if we ever miss an episode, there will be people thinking, well, at least it's not another goddamn My Little Pony extravagance. I get the weird feeling people were
0: talking about how best to set up a fresh game on social media and other places, which is a yes. huge concern.
1: So this isn't the point at which I say that you've been picked to run it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I won't say that then, because that would be bad.
0: You know, one of the one of the reasons, there, there are many contributing factors, one of the reasons that I thought, the cultural moment has passed. No one cares anymore, no one will even notice if we release an AP. The same week, they leaked things for Season 8 and their plans for the next generation, which presumably has started the, the pitchforks and torches brigades who remain in full force, so... I don't know, maybe we're jumping on a bad wagon ahead of time
1: rather than several years behind. So what I'm hearing from this is that we should go all the way back to episode one with the Alcatraz episode and the horrifying suggestion that buried deep underneath Cantalot is the prison where they keep all of those people whose cutie marks kind of demonstrate that they shouldn't be in society. Dripping skull, stabbing knife, these kind of things. As... Determined by uh, Celestia's butt phrenologists, I think was the phrase. It, it feels like this is the time to drag that one out. Or am I wrong?
0: <laughs> no more wrong than you were when you
1: suggested it the first time. Okay. So, there you go, people. Stability. It's important in podcast. I am equally wrong about this as I was four years ago. Go me. Apart from the bit that you brought it up again. I, th- yeah, I think that makes it more wrong.
0: Sorry, I, I'm just <laughs> just correcting ah. myself. <laughs> Let us back away from that obviously contentious and um, possibly click-worthy subject.
1: Yes, on no account must we have anything to do with relevance. Indeed. So instead, our episode prompt for today came to us from John and reads, The Beige Invasion, which I think had a lot to do with Canada.
0: I think you're stereotyping, but I'm most certain you're correct.
1: I could be wrong on that one. I do remember some sort of, oh, hang on a sec, was this other one just the whole thing of coming on and vomiting maple syrup everywhere? I- you're right, I might be stereotyping. <laughs>
0: I don't remember that happening on a recording because that would be I just try to think of the folly involved if we were trying to recreate it. Ugh. Jar of salsa, maybe? That's your answer to everything. It's gonna work eventually. So, beige. Wikipedia tells me it's the French are to blame for the word. It relates to the colour of unbleached, undyed wool, which is, you know, most of the time is hardly the world's most offensive colour, so there's something about beige as a concept. It's not a it's not a word that's held in high esteem. It kind of represents something that's kind of innocuous and sort of fades into the background, but is also soaked in evil. Where did with the soaked in evil bit come in? Or is this still from Wikipedia? No, no, it's, it's not in Wikipedia. Just a second. It's, and it's not on Wikipedia at the moment, but I'm sure we can fix that. Okay. Describe anything other than the colour beige as beige. Are you complimenting it? No.
1: Okay. Fair enough. At best, you're, you're just saying it's a thing.
0: Unless it is a purely accurate descriptor, it's pretty much an insult something is boring but also maybe aggressively boring maybe it's got something to hide maybe i'm just very
1: paranoid yeah it could be that the, the whole beige minivan thing that you know your life is over when you own a beige minivan or a beige volvo i, th- I think
0: that's just true actually but <laughs> no so no car manufacturer would sell a vehicle that is beige i'm pretty confident of that wikipedia lists a different different colors the one at the top is cosmic latte as a shade of beige?
1: I mean, so they're desperately trying to not have it be beige. <laughs> Apparently, it's anything. Because I mean, I used to have a car that I referred to as the Tan Peril because it was really close to beige.
0: But still a million times more interesting, right? Once the paint job faded
1: a bit, yeah. And you got this splotchy thing happening. Oh, so it was like tactical or something. Desert camo. Let's go with that, as opposed to just old paintwork, sun exposure. And time. Distressed. Nice distressed, yes. Slightly foxed. <laughs> Slightly foxed, Junk. <joke. laughs>
0: Pretty sure there's other terms for that, but fair enough. Okay, are you disagreeing with my hypothesis that it, it, the aggressively neutral, my heart is full of bland neutrality kind of thing, is it a little bit sinister?
1: It can be a little bit sinister. It isn't always. I mean, the neutral planet from Futurama with the beige alert were just aggressively neutral on everything so i don't think there was anything particularly sinister there unless you're zap brannigan who is an idiot
0: that could explain a lot of things yes fair
1: enough (laughs) equally in i think if you had a bunch of characters introduced in a movie who were described as being beige if they have any level of authority whatsoever in the plot you're going to assume they're the bad guys yep that's true
0: as far as tropes go especially or if you have say any sort of coordinated action by aggressively buttoned down innocuous looking people it's you know spooks or something it's it's something sort of intangible faceless and probably authoritarian to a degree
1: Mm. i was trying to think whether i would describe the occasional plain clothes policemen who would turn up to student parties and and try to get in as beige but no they were at least a bit more interesting than that
0: indeed they were very much how are you doing fellow students
1: yeah they were they were really obvious <laughs> um, though i mean it could be argued that it's just the ones we spotted that were really obvious maybe
0: they worked in pairs and there was the guy who was going ah he's an arc is they like having a chuckle with the guy who's actually undercover
1: constable dreadlocks
0: <laughs> i suppose it's pairing beige with invasion there are a few sort of cuddly sounding invasions. The cuddly invasion would have been, I don't know if it would been a more challenging topic, but it would have come we'd have
1: come with something a little bit more exotic. I feel like we could crowbar that into the My Little Pony-verse, or possibly Care Bears. It's it was more Care bearish, but yes, fair enough. Yeah. But
0: there's something about it, especially in that context, or any other sort of encroaching beige doesn't
1: sound good, especially now that I've said it. Encroaching beigeness. Yes, that phrase is out there, and it's in my brain. <laughs> Thank you, straight to hell. Sue, so, game ideas i came up with a, a sort of an idea H- how about you sort of would, would you like me to go first
0: i think i'll lead off see if we can get some mileage out of we've already discussed vague ideas and it seems like we may be about to draw the bullseye about uh, around some very sort of closely aligned points that is true so beige boxes or little beige gods make me think of the era of personal computing before we before the men in the room decided that this year's color was going to be beige if i can find that cartoon from back in the day personal computers for much of their time were this very innocuous buff color possibly make them sort of non-threatening in an odd way people have got good grounds for finding them threatening these days because they are just technology and tools and people have used them for various things but the notion i'd come up with was the idea of some seer some prognosticator looking into the future and discovering that computers were going to take over someday and they were going to pose these myriad threats and they would you know presumably getting a gabbled impression of some of the facts of the of our era but Misconstruing them horribly. Girls will be made of cameras, and there'll be streams of people twitching, and people in tubes, and so forth. And the idea that this this terrible techno nightmare future was coming, and that some folks believe this theory is correct, are going to go out there and Sarah Connor style stop the machines before they rise up and crush us by giving us Facebook and so forth, and cell phones, and cell phones,
1: and the internet, and the yeah. internet,
0: and. I'm not going to claim they're entirely wrong on those fronts, but the the gravity of the threat that's being posed is overstated to quite a degree, especially possibly the um, with the methods that are to be
1: deployed. So they're basically just going to go and break shit?
0: Well, any sort of Luddite slash Rifkinite kind of revolution generally involves smashing shit. If you do it without smashing shit, I don't think you're feeling, you're people feel you're really invested.
1: <laughs> I rather like the idea of people sort of hearing these wild tales from this prognosticator of the future that is coming machines that will think for you and and do all of these things that machines play games better than people machines are smarter than people and all of this is fine and then they start seeing the um, announcements of this amazing invention that somebody's made the mechanical turk a chess playing machine and just think oh shit if you were playing it for Larves, the idea of them sneaking in there to destroy the machine and discovering that there's just like this dwarf in the box underneath it operating things with little sticks. But that would be the out-and-out comedy of errors style of game. Mm.
0: Yeah, and the, the misremembered future history kind of thing is uh, I associate this sort of thing with paranoia and people you know, trying to recover uh, sacred artifacts, which are like Grateful Dead albums and things like that, and trying to decipher the meaning within them without actually being
1: able to play them because the technology to do so has been lost. That would work. That would be obviously not paranoia system, but the the paranoia vibe of you are doing things that are deeply stupid, but your characters don't know that.
0: Yes. You're playing, playing the knuckleheads being the people who have decided that, you know, this is the terrible thing and playing that to the hill. It would probably be a short, weird little thing. Actually, I just think I remember one of the other things that that may have prompted this. Was earlier today, I saw a um, a tweet from somebody overheard from an awesome Lyft driver. Today has been great. I've been blessed by the algorithm.
1: <laughs> Immediately
0: had the eerie feeling this could become an increasingly common way to describe a day.
1: Oh, yeah, that, that's uh, yeah, that's a little creepy. Do you know the
0: gamers often you know, uh, often pray to RNGesus? Jesus. <sighs> Uh, They also name-check the poem Machines of Loving Grace and so forth, and someone else name-checked that in the thing. It might be as a a good venue to vent, to rage against the machine, as it were, and play these knuckleheads who who don't only know about the totally overstated bad things and aren't victims of the convenience of the good things. I think you might have to bolt it down a little bit. I was sort of thinking maybe... Maybe the sixties, maybe something as you know, when computers are unwieldy and inscrutable in the size of buildings. Good smashing potential there. That's very
1: difficult from get to get away. Yeah. Just to clarify, the game is set in the sixties or the visions are from the sixties?
0: oh uh, no, no. The vis- visions are from the current era, so you can can do all of the gags. Right. Yeah, so so computers are are a known thing, present in society, and the trajectory they're hearing about is not inconceivable but some of the things within it they don't know about. I think there might be a, a section in the book Stand on Zanzibar by John Brunner where the society is run by, a, a, like, a master computer and people break in for some reason and just destroy it at some stage. It becomes, you know, there's a contentious thing that that is going on. I don't recall precisely, but um, it sounds like something that John Brunner would write about
1: because not super high opinion of humans. If you're setting it sort of only 40 or 50 years ago, that's... For a start, it makes me think of the Smashing the Looms movements, which I guess is where the the idea starts from. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, having these enormous banks of computers whirling away and doing sinister things. Indeed. Like taxes. (laughs) Yes,
0: long inventories of things and accounting. So you could do that and you have them. It could be sort of slightly lighthearted, slightly sort of a discordian vibe to it the idea these people think that they're they're striking a blow for the future and you know this giant computer the size of a of a building kind of thing will explode and so forth and it's, you know shockingly expensive pile of hardware but you know it's going to be outdated in two years anyway they're not really stopping anything i don't know what you'd if that's the um the message that it was inevitable all along in the um It's kind of a Cassandra kind of situation where the the predictions of doom and gloom
1: are irrelevant. It's going to happen anyway, or... Or whether you can change things. I mean, I find myself thinking of this as a teenagers from outer space adventure, of all things. Hmm. Even though that completely doesn't fit. Just for the idea of something that's fairly lighthearted. Nobody is going to die, no matter what happens. And basically, it's all going to go horribly wrong in an entertaining way. So... I guess, Terminator 2, the comedy.
0: Rich potential there for yucks, clearly. There's a chuckle storm are coming. Okay. <laughs> There's the last lines about the storm coming and so forth. Right. And if you make it sort of like dorky, 60s, high-brow kind of humour... Well, not high-brow kind of... I like to say Woody Allen. He's kind of persona on ground at the moment for a list of really compelling reasons.
1: Yeah, a, a wide variety of entirely justifiable reasons, yeah. That's sort of... Zany madcap. Anything that Zucker Abrams Zucker did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd been imagining it as is sort of a few centuries earlier, but the the '60s thing puts a different twist on it.
0: Yeah, because there's enough of a. I mean, the you know the cybernetics as a philosophy rather than a science it was born in that era, and the idea that you know these are sort of the potential for the future, which has scaled vastly in some directions and not at all in others but you know that's how that's the um the risk of being a futurist it's very hard to know what's actually going to happen it's probably impossible and you're either you're either talking about stuff that's already already taking place or you're wrong in some way well yeah that could be an interesting sorry slightly addled adventure i'm not you know teenagers our space would be as good a system as any i don't know of a particular aspect i'd want to of the game that I'd want to... It shouldn't be too complex, basically, but other than that, it's nothing.
1: I was thinking of it for sort of just a madcap hijinks kind of approach. Cool. Okay. I I went with beige box computing as well, but kind of ended up with a weirdly different direction on it, fortunately, because otherwise we'd have another you sunk my battleship situation. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, just thinking about the beige invasion got me thinking about the invasion of beige box computers which makes absolutely no sense. So I can imagine a really awful cartoon of sort of those all-in-one uh, Macintosh uh, varieties, but with legs and arms sort of stomping down the street. But that's not what this is about. Uh, I'm seeing a very Peter Gabriel stop-motion video vibe, and I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I, I was thinking more of the, the Captain Underpants um, animated toilets, but yeah.
0: Okay. You're clearly
1: more up-to-date than I am. That's, that's out there for the world to know now. Um, yeah, what I was thinking of for the Bayesian Invasion is you've basically got the the parallel time streams. So you've got our world as it is today. And you've got just a, 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 a fraction a of an inch in a dimension away the steampunk version of 2018, where the electronic revolution never happened. Instead, it was all sort of steampunk and clockpunk. Maybe a little bit of Tesla punk if you felt like it. And you've got functionally the, the modern day world, but all steam techy and cool and shit. And there's gears on things for no readily explainable reasons.
0: There's, there's something about the nature of cogs that means that the storage and processing of information can be done with those things. There may be some twist in the laws of physics or something. Just means that you know, springs have memories or something like that.
1: Yeah, they, they've got they've got a, They've figured it out. Yeah, they've, they've got it done. And I was thinking about what happens when those two worlds start to mix. You know, initially, I wasn't thinking, well, this is an actual invasion in that somebody has said, yes, let's go and invade those guys. But it's more, you know, perhaps these two uni- um, these two sort of universes have gotten a little bit too close and they're starting to converge. And whether you do that along the lines of somebody comes in uh, to work and where normally their babbage company automatic tabulator is sitting on their desk now it's something from dell it still works but they have no idea how the hell it got there and presumably in the universe next door there's some guy who's turning up to his job at the at the accountancy mines staring at this thing and thinking what the fuck just happened <laughs> why is there an espresso machine on my desk Indeed, and why is the coffee so oily? Cool. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. kind of one version of it. The other, the other side of it was yeah, partially because I am living somewhat outside of London and so get to see London a fair bit. Off going with, I think it's well. The the image I have is from Rifts, but just the idea of okay, the two Rush the two universes out. are joining. Big fun, Rush your mouth out.
0: <laughs> I will gleefully poke fun at rifts for its kitchen sink approach to filling kitchen sinks with other kitchen sinks but you know the folks who love rifts love it with a a fiery passion and i would not want to take it that away from
1: anybody Mm. i mean i've i've never got to play a rifts game and i always wanted to because for all that i had huge numbers of people telling me that the system is is ridiculous. It's a stupid universe because you can get this, uh, you know, you can easily get a party where you've got a barbarian with a laser sword, some sort of academic, and a guy in an enormous fighting robot suit, travelling through the wastelands. That's idiotic. Whereas my thought was, no, I, I want to find out about that party. That sounds really interesting to me. But as I understand it, the rule set was a bit of a mess. It was. The Palladian system
0: and it it's had its idiosyncrasies forever. I did really enjoy the Happy Jack's um Savage Rifts thing that they did. Okay. Tomorrow Legion,
1: that's right. Good fun. And it it lent itself to a batch at lunacy. Slight diversion onto rifts. But yes, the idea that you've got a beige invasion of our world into somebody else's that is a bit more obvious because you've got this sort of crackling ribbon of light that runs down the thames and on one side of the thames is steampunk topia and on the other side of the thames is modern day london and presumably you could walk between them
0: right so it's more of a collision this is this is speaking of old school games this is straight out of talk is it yeah the world was they weren't system lords, There's something very similar, though so suspicion is that that name may have been Nicked. The the powers that were invading Earth in the Torg setting basically imposed their axioms on various places and, and Isle, which consumed all of England, was a fantasy environment. There was a the cyber papacy in France and um the living land, which was like a prehistoric kind of hyper vigorous jungle setting in North America and so forth. Well as not seemed quite as um Seems a little bit more defined. It has that same sort of thing. the The idea about the storm knights, the NPC, the PCs in uh, Torg, were people who were so strongly connected to their own axioms they could take their cyber ninja from Nippon Tech into the living land. Right up the point where they pushed it too far and they turned it into a lizard. They they had they had such a, as a conviction and, and and personal presence that they could use their skills and their um their abilities and their own technology from their axioms. Um, and even impose their axiom on um, a location and make it and sort of make a bubble of their reality to a degree.
1: And lots of other crazy ideas as well. But yeah,
0: it does sound quite a lot like that one.
1: It really does, yeah. Okay, so that kind of probably helped to design the system. I'm not 100% on where such a game would go. Mm. I'm also not 100% on whether, I mean, it could be quite fun if the two universes, while the technology is completely different, The actual people are the same. So your other version of you has the same job, more or less, works in the same place. All of the relationships are more or less the same, just with cogs on them. Stick a couple of cogs on him. Which does mean, potentially, if, if the, uh, the two universes are running incredibly in sync, you've got the circumstance where you're never ever going to meet your alternate self. If you've got this sort of big barrier down the middle of the Thames, then presumably you could cross from the north side to the south side, but maybe your counterpart is doing the exact same thing, so you'll never be in the same place at the same time.
0: That reminds me um, of a currently running TV series called Counterpart, where J.K. Simmons... Who did the did the JJ Jameson character in this, the the Tobo guy Spiderman um, does a really good turn as a guy working for a mysterious organisation who meets his counterpart from the reality that split over split off from theirs um, and discovers that in that universe he's a black bag kind of guy dealing with all sorts of creepy stuff and something happened a decade and a bit ago that meant their lives diverged along with the rest of reality. And the company, the organisation he works for seems to be responsible. And it's got this very cool Cold War, I mean, set in Berlin, always helps. I've only seen a couple of episodes, but it's just juicy with intrigue and possibility and sort of spycraft based on, well, such and such has, has done a runner, but if we go to the other side, capture their um, their counterpart, find out what their like childhood home was like before the Divergence we can figure out where they might be going on our side. Huh. How much you tell about the people running that side, well, it's, you know, <laughs> depends what you think they'll say. And J.K. Simmons is just playing two roles, just brilliantly. The same character, effectively, just with divergent experiences. So that could be that could be an interesting, interesting take on it. The possibility, because you describe it as a physical split, though, you get the impression there are still and always have been two realities. But... Now, you say the one south of the Thames is modern day, and north of the Thames is steampunk, or vice versa.
1: Mostly because I just really like
0: the image. Yeah, yeah I like it, yeah. It's it's, it's, good. it's a good, good thing to go with. But they're also probably the counterparts of those two in the opposite configuration. Exactly. Maybe the, the point of the game is to try and figure out which mad scientist created the Babbage engine of universe inversion or you know somebody was dickering around with an old vax workstation or something put the wrong commands and that caused the event to happen yeah maybe it's it's like a all right if these people are working here and these people are working there this is why the axis split on this point and maybe it was a networked thing so you've got a station on one side a station on the other side they just had to be on the other side of the thames for some reason and you have to find out who caused which which group working in tandem caused it and figure out how to get them to reverse the process
1: and i am really liking the idea of various squad cars and all sorts of um rapid response people from the london metropolitan police sort of lined up on one side of tower bridge and their steampunk equivalents on the other side of tower bridge just staring back and forth and recognizing each other
0: Hmm, especially if the folks from the yeah, the steampunk era have got stuff. Um, have you seen anything of the video game called Dishonored, um, which is set in a very sort of steampunky Victorian-ish kind of setting with like dark gods and plagues and whale-ish thing harvesting and so forth, but also. Policemen and well known as tall boys, which are basically like stilt walking things with electricity generators and so forth and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. If if you have a look at some of the art for Dishonored, you'll definitely get the um the sort of the sort of vibe that you might be thinking of. It's also vague inspiration for Blades in the Dark. So you could if you want to ride you wanted to run the murdering scum with knives version of solving that problem, Blades in the Dark would be good. (laughs) I'm just looking up Dishonored now. Yeah, specifically the city of Dunwall, oh, which it's set, set in.
1: Sorry, it's the guy with the creepy metal skull mask yep. was, was the first thing that came up. Corvo, charming fellow. Eee, okay.
0: It would be f- particularly colourful if the one of the, the problems that hadn't been solved was that they're still burning coal and stuff, so that the um, pea supers came back. So that could be an interesting, interesting part of the challenge. Clearly, you don't want. If it still has some of the social inequities and so forth, you don't want folks from cholera-ridden, pox-slathered, horrifying underclass possessing Victorian London. If that's the Victorian London you're you're, you're talking about, just sort of pouring willy nilly into a place with something of a uh, social uh, social security net.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if if you assume that whatever it is sort of cuts down the middle of the Thames, then that means there's an enormous number of the bridges won't exist anymore. Hmm from one side or the other. Yeah. I'd have to do a bit bit of looking up, but there's not a huge number of them that are left. So, yeah, potentially with a bit of fudging, you can just go with, no, it's okay, This Tower Bridge. Hmm. Neither side is particularly interested in having willy-nilly sort of travel between the two. Yeah. Then again, it's a river and boats are a thing that exists. Also, it's the Thames. It's okay wide, but it's not always, like, liquid. Wow, Tim's title barrier is gonna look really weird.
0: Yes, yes it is. Unless it exists in both universes. Just for the, the you know, the juxtaposition. There'll be a lot of things that should still be there and you know, it just happened they started from one end in one place and started from the other and in, in the other one. So that they kind of join up somehow in the middle. It was a good setting for a bit in uh Miles for Kosigan book, so it'd be, you know, an interesting place for a set piece as well on your game.
1: Yes. So yeah, that's that's where I'd go with it. Yeah, it's not a fully fleshed out idea. You would have to ask the question of, has this affected the entire world? Hmm. Or just London? Or just Great Britain? Or are events, events unfolding so fast you don't really have time to check? I mean, is there a, a, a wiggly line that happens to run down the Thames, but basically just divides the entire planet in half? Hmm. Does this mean that allowing for a certain amount of fudging, there is the same wiggly line that runs down New Zealand, and on one side of it is 2018 New Zealand, and on the other side is 2018 Steampunk New Zealand, which is presumably still part of the empire. You could draw that conclusion. Could go either way. Could be quite entertaining. It could
0: be a proud chieftainate and independent. That would be exciting. There is a crazy early 20th century, I think, cartoon about the impropriety and nonsense of having the indigenous Maori own land, and that imagined a high-tech vision of the time like a metropolis style fritz lang pa and the um the maori landowners are, are arriving on like helicopter backpack kind of things to collect rent it's like you're kind of showing your hand there yeah also that's pretty
1: cool That's pretty cool what, what are you sure that's bad yeah i I'm, I'm i will sign up for a helicopter backpack provided it has some kind of auto rotate mode <laughs> just saying
0: Yes. There's plenty of scope there. Oh, I like that one. I would be tempted to work in some sort of mysterious figures to be even more beige and menacing. Maybe gents suits which just about blend in both sides. Not quite. Uh, this oh. very, It's very The Watchers from Fringe, which I think we brought up pre-discussion as being a similar sort
1: of concept. Well, yeah, because then that gives you the possibility that some force or forces did this deliberately. It wasn't just some weird accident. Somebody made this happen, and you've got to wonder why. Yes, indeed. I mean, you could go with the standard Scooby-Doo thing where every single episode turns out to be a real estate scam. Perpetrated by some old white guy, yeah. I would possibly want to come up with just the most beige, unimaginative, self-serving bullshit reason for this to have happened. That you got some people who went and did this enormous, impossible, ridiculous thing, and it was all for just the most petty and stupidly self-serving and boring of reasons. Maybe
0: they were, on both sides, attempting to break the real estate market, calculate the you know the best rate of return on which places, and the sheer audacity of trying to deflate the London property bubble caused the universe to break.
1: <laughs> so it's nothing technological, it's just the fact that the... Um, The the collective psychic outpourings of two universes worth of people realising that their property values might go down caused this to happen. I like it, yes. Jinkies,
0: capitalism was the villain all along. (laughs) I've
1: been seeing too many socialist Scooby-Doo memes lately. I'm just loving it. You'd want to set the thing up as a comedy game from the get-go because if I did a serious game and that was the fucking answer somebody's getting a chinning. But if it was a slightly comedic style of game, you yeah, just the discovery that all of this weird tech has nothing to do with it, it's these bunch of fuckers who caused a psychic maelstrom because of their property uh, manipulation shenanigans. Yeah.
0: Considering the amount of angst and literal hardship that's caused, that's pretty fair, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's up there with Crowley making the, the M25 into a giant prayer wheel for bad thoughts, sort of thing. Okay. No, All that's... right. So th- those were our horrifying ideas that were indeed
1: actually quite fun. I would I would, I would like to play any of those. So yeah, that's just me. Hmm.
0: Cool. We have some audience feedback which we plan to get to goodness knows when for episode one hundred and two, the day the squid said hello. We've got quite a lot of excellent ideas from our hard listening audience. Hard listening.
1: I think hard listening works because, to be blunt, with some of these episodes, yeah, that takes some effort, man.
0: It does, it does. It's pretty, pretty hard work. We appreciate it, nonetheless. Indeed. Got one from Kedamono. It was an ordinary day in the Cephalopod Research Centre. The scientists were in the Pacific Ocean, sending deep-sea ROVs to look for Archituthis, I'll go with that, a.k.a. the giant squid. After a day, they found one. It Didn't run away. It instead stayed near the ROV and ate the bait at its leisure. After finishing the delicious chum, it flashed quickly in an old pattern and left. The scientists studied the the video and puzzled over the meaning of the flashes. The captain of the vessel, a seasoned old salt, came in while they were replaying the video. Dang, that looks like Morse code," he said in surprise. Everyone slowly turned to look at him. The chief researcher spoke up. Impossible. It's just a trick of the light or something. Raising an eyebrow, the captain had them replay the message while he he read off the flashes. Hello, space, thanks, space, for, space the space fish and that's the end of the message the researcher had made notes of the length and duration of each flash googled more code and was slack-jawed when the captain's translation was confirmed then all eyes went back to the video of the flashing actor act have you got a better idea how that's pronounced i go with the Archituthus. archethuthis Archituthus? yeah of the flashing giant squid you are the crew of the kraken specialist team of deep-sea divers and researchers. Your mission is to find Gabby, the Archeteuthis, and establish contact with her, as it's determined that the Archeteuthis was female. You take the role of researcher, diver, submariner, oceanographer, biologist, or SEAL team diver. The divers have newt suits for deep-sea diving and, and their own submarine. By the way, you're not the only group out here looking for Gabby. Finding Gabby and discovering why she's capable of communication, and whether or not she's truly intelligent will be difficult. In competition with your force of a foreign power, pick one that wants gabby for a military military potential undersea combat is possible what is gabby possibilities include archituthis is a sentient species two gabby is one of kind mutant three gabby is not an archituthis but an alien four gabby is a genetically engineered creation that escaped the gm can pick one of those and let the story commence Under the sea is a dangerous place, but unlike real life, players have a chance to survive and not be squished into human pate. For a game system, I'd either use Fate Accelerated, Inspectors, or my own system One Page Wonders. Keen.
1: Yes, there was a comment from Trigger Happy, who mentioned games by Nintendo called Splatoon, (laughs) set in a late post-apocalyptic setting where humans have long since died off and sea life has evolved, gained sapience. And it started engaging in FPS antics as a sport, as well as Tokyo street fashion.
0: It looks pretty fun. I've not played it myself, but the um, advertising insists you're a squid now and you're a kid now. All we need to say, really. I like it. I am reminded of the movie... Is it The Abyss? Yeah, to a degree, except you're kind of with a slightly more chatty, sub-aquatic mm. presence. You could get someone to do their Jacques Cousteau voice and go on about the wonders of the deep. It's more... Hungarian Jack, Jacques Cousteau, but.
1: I, I'm not good with accents, so. <laughs> anyway, as long as it was more, more Jacques Cousteau and less Steve Zizou.
0: <laughs> Rescue us, Burning. Yay, Burning. Burning came up with. During the whole Intrepid Explorers of the Heights section, that's where the uh, squid came to the surface to say hello, I suddenly got the image uh, in my head of a squid piling a submersible along the beach, coming to a hole to get spotted by humans, and thinking. If I hold perfectly still, maybe they will lose interest and go about their business. Which probably reflects my inclination that I'd probably be more into playing the game as the squid than as the humans, although it would be awesome either way. I also wondered if you're aware of DUMAND, that's D-U-M-A-N-D, or any of its successor projects, to actually use the sea as a medium for a neutrino detector array. One of the project team scientists was a professor at the university who did my graduate study in physics. We joked that he was on the project because it gave him an excuse to go to Hawaii in winter. Smart man. I see no problem with this. Anyway, he gave a few talks on the project. One of the problems they had was bioluminescent fish producing false signals. Ha! Being pranked by fish. Finally, I would watch the hell out of the cartoon uh, of the adventures
1: of uh, Squid Boy and Inky. Yay! I I will admit, for the, the day the squid said hello kind of scenarios where you've got squid explorers, having at least somebody playing the squid would be great fun. Hmm. I wasn't actually aware of the demand thing, though it does remind me of... There was one of the lecturers when I was doing uh, undergrad study who had been involved in... It was something they were trying to use, basically ultrasonic bursts to determine information about clouds, basically some, something to do with rainfall prediction. Hmm. And one of the problems they found is that they needed to retune the thing about every 20 minutes because of the fucking crickets... <laughs> Would try to sing along. (laughs) Apparently it took them a while to figure out why they were getting these weird spikes that gradually got better and better as the the crickets found the frequency. (laughs) And so they'd eventually get this sort of ping, chirp.
0: The number of times that people trying to do physics experiments have found to discover they're also doing biology experiments at the same time. is pretty, pretty common.
1: Almost as though the natural world is up to something. Indeed. I'm now thinking of the story does a bee care which was all about some kind of entity that has just manipulated humanity into having a space program solely so that it can get into space there was
0: was it the great margin war or something basically a mockumentary about an alien conflict with world war one footage with like tripods dubbed in
1: huh don't know this one
0: the great margin war of 1913 it's on youtube and we we'll- uh, a couple of times, it was quite interesting, and they used the stuff sparingly enough. And to say much more would be spoilery to a degree. But it has that same sort of thought of an agent using a warlike species to accomplish something else. I think they missed an opportunity at the end, and I would I'd be fascinated for, for for people to have a look and see what it's about. But I'll chuck a link into that as well.
1: I mean, lo- looping back to both Kitamono and Burnings' thoughts absolutely want there to be people playing the squid especially if you're going with any kind of comedy game and i do like the idea of the mystery and shady undersea battles potential for the Kimono one because hmm. yeah the idea that squid were always capable of talking to us they just never bothered before
0: yep maybe that was just gabby was the one that was interested enough to to reach out a um tentacle
1: to to wave the tentacle of friendship and fish
0: <laughs> it seems I have left you with Taz's contribution.
1: Okay, so this is again for the day. This squid said hello. To answer the question of what game system to use, Joshua A. C. Newman is your man. He's the creator of Shock, social science fiction. Shock, Human Contact, with Shock Two and Xenoglyph in the works. There'll be a link in the show notes. Hmm, yes,
0: that is. He is right. That would be if you were looking for a more nerve wracking
1: version. Yeah. And then Taz goes on to say, I replied too soon. Tentacles and feelings would be the ultimate system to use. Adds it to the to-do list. The downside is that I probably need to watch a lot of Squid Girl and Devil and other non-hentai Japanese media in order to do it justice and not require brain bleach. That seems fair. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know about tentacles and feelings. As I understand it, you basically, it's lasers and feelings is you roll lasers or you roll feelings.
0: I'm not sure from the context here whether Taz is planning on making tentacles and feelings
1: or it exists already. Either is possible in the wide internet. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting the idea that he maybe he may be making tentacles and feelings. Clear your browser history, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I could go and look it up, but I'm a little scared. Anyway, game pitch. The cephalopodic invasion has begun. In order to infiltrate and conquer the surface world and reduce the amount of pollution being dropped on their heads, the nation of united people, octopi, squid, and nautilus has genetically modified their fierce shock troopers into spies capable of surviving the rigours of surface life. These cleverly disguised infiltrators, most of which look like Japanese schoolgirls with tentacles for hair, are armed with human knowledge that has been scavenged from shipwrecks and tidal wave and flood debris. Using the latest in-game technology, Tentacles and Feelings is a hack of John Harper's Lasers and feeling. Roll under your number to perform acts of cephalopodic skill, such as spew ink or shell headbutt. Roll over your number to understand and blend in with humankind. If you roll exactly your number, you have tentacular feelings, and the GM will answer some mysterious question and probably complicate your life. Think of the game, sits at the intersection of Invaders from Postmortem Studios, and Golden Sky Stories from Starline Publishing. That is a
0: very interesting uh, intersection, I think, if I remember the two of those.
1: It's, it's the phrase tentacular feelings, because I am now thinking Assassination Classroom. Oh yeah. <laughs> wiggle, wiggle, wiggle,
0: wiggle. That would be kind of a good, yeah. That would be kind of a good motif. Oh, what's his name? The sensei. Koro sensei. What a guy! I mean, there have been heroes throughout history and in every media, but he's like the most encouraging. Just
1: such a great teacher. Oh yeah, I would have loved to have had teachers like that. and been allowed to shoot at them to boot (laughs) yeah and be allowed to shoot at them and try
0: to assassinate and then be graded on the assassination and encouraged and point out where you could have done something
1: better but not too harshly because he's a really nice guy and that's all we're going to say about assassination classroom i've got a follow-up thought which is basically so after all of that what we have found is that the audience is really fired up by squid yeah i didn't know that was our niche and also tess what is this Bullshit, excluding cuttlefish. Jeez.
0: <laughs> I'd say I take that personally, but I'll just like blend in my surroundings and
1: hide in a corner. <laughs> I was going to say, is this you outing yourself as a as a cuttlefish hybrid? Because you know we've all had our suspicions. I am pretty good at blending
0: into the background. That is true. It could be, and that would be a, a pretty awesome set of
1: um, extra abilities, but yes. No, carnivores are just cool. I do like the idea of (laughs) these genetically engineered super soldiers operating on somewhat limited and badly flawed information of what the above world is like.
0: And not being prepared for the amount of positive responses to their fearsome cephalopod powers and appearances.
1: Yeah, that would be weird. (laughs) It would be entertaining to do... I would find it very difficult to avoid having some level of inflexible downstream bureaucracy, as it were. So, the plan has been drawn up based on the understanding of the upside world from shipwrecks and flood debris and that kind of thing. Mm. They get there, they discover it's completely wrong. But no, the plan is in place. You will go forward with the plan because the guys downstream aren't listening. You could have a bit of fun with that, I feel. Indeed,
0: you could You could tie back to the whole anime Japanese culture thing by making them extremely respectful and not wanting to upset anyone's feelings despite executing an invasion. Nice. So if they get into awkward situations, they'll immediately fall back to being polite and respectful of their seniors and and helping people out. They are literally shock troops from the undersea. They have the potential to wreak great devastation. But when in doubt, they'll fall back on being good citizens because that somehow is bled into the between the
1: cultures. This is so anime. It's getting more and more anime by the second this, this was not, by the way, said as a, a judgmental thing. It's just, this is really really anime.
0: Don't worry, I'll give you a chance to go to judgmental because it's making, making me think of the uh, quote from Archer. Judgment engines warming up. <laughs> the thing about Dr. Krieger's movies and sushi night. M- mushi night! And that's the fisherman's wife. And the fishers,
1: fisherman's wife too, the retentacling. <laughs> Why? Why do I let you put these things into my brain? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It, it, Beats the hell out of me. <laughs> Sorry, I, I only got a few seasons through uh, Archer and sort of went off it for a while, so clearly I'll have to go back for the, the tentacles. And now that phrase is out there.
0: It's a throwaway line of many horrible and irresponsible throwaway lines.
1: Well, yes. Your authority is not re- uh, recognized in Fort Kickass. I thought you said she was an escort. They're hookers when they're dead, Cecil. Okay, so... Yeah, yeah this is this is obviously starting to go... Go, go, go downhill um, towards the trenches at a rate of knots. So, looping back to sum up. Mm-hmm. Awesome ideas about squid. Indeed. Because I would love to play in any of those. They sound like a shitload of fun.
0: Got to figure out what else we can do other than squid to get such an animated response. Animated or animated? Ah... Well,
1: apparently this pony thing is way off beam. I mean, if you think the pony thing is coming back, we can maybe do a bit of a resurgence. Capture those high-rolling My Little Pony podcast dollars. I can't believe I made it to the end of that sentence. My Little Squiddies. What if that's been trademarked. Uh, I think that was the Sporks or the Snorks. The Snorks.
0: The creators of the, of the Smurfs got to us. There, got to their first.
1: They may be due for
0: a, uh, a revamp. We should see if we can get Lauren Faust onto the deal. I'm sure we can make them a little bit more current and um, relatable for today's modern generation.
1: So, basically, tattoos. <laughs> <coughs> nice one. Okay, and on that note, thank you all for listening. Indeed. Thank you for the ideas that you have, have sent in. Thank you, straight to Hell, as we say. <laughs> yeah, thank you for not stopping the recording, assuming any of you are listening when you heard what we did to the ideas that you sent in. Mm-hmm. Again, thank you very much. We'll see you next time for episode 105, the prompt for which comes to us from Constructicon and reads fantasy plus post-apocalypse equals question mark. Good night, everybody. Bye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans?